as a forgiven and a beloved people. Let us hear today's scripture reading. Now, I want to acknowledge that this is not a very popular passage, this Matthew 5, 21 through 37, but there is wisdom to be found. So let us hear this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples about the law and what it means to Jesus' followers. Now, I am reading from the Common English Bible Translation, but as always, I encourage you to hear this in the biblical language, which best connects you with God. So once again, our gospel reading today is Matthew 5, verses 21 through 37. Let us hear about Jesus and the law. Now, you have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister or sibling or cousin will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their sibling, you idiot, who hasn't said that to their sibling? But if they say to their sibling, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of a fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, while you are there, remember that your sibling has something against you, Leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your siblings and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. Now you have heard it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at another lustfully has already committed adultery in their hearts. And if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that of your whole body being thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off, throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body go into hell. Now it was said, whoever divorces their wife must give her a divorce certificate. But I say to you that whomever divorces his wife except for unfaithfulness, forces her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman, therefore, commits adultery. I'm seeing the eyebrows already, y'all. There is a point to this, I promise. Again, you have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't make a false, solemn pledge. Don't make a false oath. 
but you should follow through on what you have pledged or promised to the Lord. But I say to you that you must not pledge at all. You must not pledge by heaven because it's God's throne. You must not pledge by earth because it's God's footstool. You must not pledge by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And you must not pledge by your head because you can't turn one hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Thus ends our reading. And these are the lessons of God, we think, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And we can hang a big question mark over that last statement. All right. Here we go. Simmer down. Because I can feel it. It's coming at me. Let's take a deep breath. And let us remember that there is wisdom to be found. I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that these passages for today are hard to hear. They're hard to read. And I need to acknowledge that they have been used throughout time to hurt people. Amen. Our scriptures have often been used to hurt and harm. And these passages are certainly not exceptions to that. These words have been used especially to hurt women, to hurt folks who are in abusive relationships, and to hurt folks on the margins of society. And we need to own that as a people. These passages, along with many passages in the Bible, can easily also be avoided. Avoided by clergy and other leaders in the faith community because they are uncomfortable. And we don't want to acknowledge, I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you, the church hasn't always been real good to people and has often used its own sacred texts as a way to create an us and them. And that is not the purpose or the intention of Jesus in this moment. And so many of us, preachers and teachers, can choose to avoid the discomfort. We can simply choose not to preach on them, not to teach on them for that reason, but y'all know that's not how I operate. We got to get into the stuff, even the ugly stuff. Because otherwise, how can there be grace and growth? Amen? Amen? I believe it's important not to avoid conversations around these difficult passages, but instead to really dive into them. And let us consider what Jesus was trying to accomplish by using these examples. And as you can see, well, those of you who are here, the title of our sermon today is Radical Love Over Law. And that is what Jesus is trying to impart. See, we are now in the third and final week of our series, 
in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have missed any of the previous messages, I encourage you to go back, revisit them, check out the podcast, listen to the scriptures and the messages, because it's the sermon that Jesus provides is so dense that it just can't be contained in one service. And so in those previous weeks and this week, we've explored and are exploring the ways in which this moment in Jesus's ministry is the moment where he is outlining what the kingdom of God can be and what it could be if we but follow his example. An example of what it looks like to live fully in relationship with God and creation and the hardest one, one another. And I saw a lot of eyebrows while reading this. So you see, through the whole movement, the whole moment on the Mount, he is giving us a roadmap toward a reality where everything they, the disciples, the people who were coming to hear them, and let's be honest, looking at the world today, everything that we need to hear. He's giving them a roadmap, giving us a roadmap on what a world can be when everything is turned on its head. The way this happens is through radical love, through elevating love over law, through embracing and accepting God's grace and love. A love which is a capital L love and one that is fully capable of transforming our lives and the very world around us. But it takes work. And the work can only begin when we take this message and fully embody it. When we take it into our minds and hearts and spirits and move through the world in a way that, yes, challenges, sometimes even makes people uncomfortable and encourages us all through that challenge and that discomfort to be better and to do better. And when we do that, when we move through the world differently, when we take this Jesus way and bring it into our very DNA, others will see this change and maybe even want to move through the world in the same way. In a sense, when we live the Jesus way, we are actively teaching the Jesus way, just like the original. And it is with this intention, when we do this in a fully embodied way, we can experience the kingdom or the kingdom of God right here and now. And it is with this intention that we have this particular teaching moment that is occurring between Jesus and his disciples. Now, this is very important to keep in mind. Jesus is having an intimate conversation with those closest to him, with those who are about to be tasked with doing the work and soon to be doing it without him present. The crowds have gone or dissipated because we all know people are hanging around. 
but the crowds have for the most part dissipated at this point. And Jesus is, in a sense, kind of sitting down and doing a debrief, if you will, with his people, with his closest followers, with those who have been witnessing what he has been doing with the people. See, here we have Jesus dealing with these particular passages addressing the disciples and us directly. And the purpose of this is to try to get them to understand the work that they are about to be participating in in Jesus' name. Because as I mentioned before, soon enough, he will no longer be with them. Remember, we know how the story ends. Amen? Amen. They don't yet. And so Jesus is having, if you will, a come-to-Jesus moment with his people. The world will only be able to soon enough experience his message through the disciples and those who they teach and then lead by example. And this is why his previous statements from the previous weeks about who is blessed, about who is salt and who is light and who is leading are so important because he is explaining to them what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be in a relationship with not just Jesus, but Jesus's message and ministry. He is explaining to them what it means to truly be serving and working alongside Emmanuel, God with us. And so here we are with his statements about certain behaviors (laughs) and their greater consequences. He is using these examples not because they are the most important, but because they are the most well-known and familiar to the people he is addressing. These are the laws that they are living within each and every single day. Any person of the Jewish faith, from the everyday person to the highest-ranking Pharisee, would know these mandates inside and out. And so these are the thou shouts, if you will. Many of us even know them. Not even those of us who have been in lifelong church. Most of us have heard of the Ten Commandments. Amen? Amen. Maybe you even know the biggies already. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. My favorite, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's donkey. (laughs) And so it would have been with the disciples. All of them who came from all different walks of life, different levels of education, they would have known these. Now, I want to make it <coughs> excuse me, very clear that I am not preaching on the sin value of murder or adultery. I am not here to say that divorce is a sin, because it's not. When you weaponize divorce to hurt another human, that's the sin. But divorce is not. Those laws were used to hurt women. They were used so that the men in a patriarchal society could maintain their power and control. And Jesus is saying that it's not right. Jesus is saying 
that when you value law over love, you are not doing kingdom work. And so when I read this passage, I do not believe that I hear Jesus preaching on sin value of specific activities. And that's why I believe that these passages have wisdom and value for us today, just as they did for the disciples and the original hearers of these passages, because Jesus is talking about something deeper. He is speaking to intention. He is speaking literally to the need for radical love over law. He is impressing on the disciples that it is not enough to simply follow what you're told, what the letter of the law is. It's not simply enough to follow all the rules, to do what you are told without question, to expect everything is going to be good when that happens. It's not enough. Jesus is saying, hey, y'all, you know the rules, but it's not enough to simply just not kill someone because let's be honest, I think we all know plenty of people who have probably not committed a violent crime of any kind, but they're really having a hard time being decent human beings. I myself even have those moments. Their behaviors and their words can still cut and harm even when they have not physically harmed a hair on another person's head. The divorce mandate is not about divorce, but about how we enter into relationships honoring the sacred worth of the other partner and how we then keep our promises to honor that worth even when the relationship breaks down. The swearing of oaths. You don't have to take major pains to prove your truthfulness, to say, I swear to God, or on the ground on which I stand, this is the truth if you already have the truth in your heart. People can see it in your actions and your intentions. Instead, what Jesus is saying is that every action, every feeling, every thought from the most widely known societal expectations to the most private and intimate of decisions. Everything needs to be weighed against what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And to be a follower of Jesus, at the end of the day, is to be someone who practices radical love over the law. He is reminding the disciples that the kingdom of God is possible. It is within reach. They are literally sitting with it. But only can we realize it when the focus of our intentions come from a place of radical love. This is the purpose of the kingdom of God, the kingdom, if you will. This is the purpose of our work together as disciples of Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. The purpose is to create a beloved community, one where everyone has a home, 
one where everyone is part. The moment they walk through those doors or into our lives, they become a part of our community of care and concern. One which values radical love over law, radical hospitality over gatekeeping. A world which lifts the poor, a world which soothes the sorrowful, a world which is available to anyone and everyone, no matter who they are or where they came from or their past or their present or their future. And when Jesus says that the kingdom is at hand, which we hear often in our scriptures, he's not saying that it's in some far-off world or reality. He's not saying that it's only possible when you follow these rules. He means that the kingdom is literally at hand. In our hands. Within our reach, if we but grasp it. It's here. It's with us right now. The kingdom is here, y'all. We can't wait for it because it's now. Amen. It's doable. It's sustainable. It's possible for us here, there, in this place and beyond. But here's the rub. Because you know it's not easy. This kingdom, this kingdom work, it's hard. It is really, really hard. Being a good person is really tough. Riding on the high road is lonely. You're right? Amen. <laughs> it's hard work. Being a Jesus follower is hard work. The type of Christianity that we embrace and practice and teach here is hard work. Living in a way that is contrary to everything we are told is supposed to be important from a world that is hell-bent on fear through control, that's hard work. But for as hard as it is, as uncomfortable as change makes us, as really uncomfortable as holding the mirror up to our own faces can be, this is important work. It is necessary, life-saving work. Not just the lives of others, but ourselves as well. Because it's godly work. It is sacred work. And we are all called to participate in it. Not in a passive way. Not in a sit on, in church on Sundays for as much as you hate it, an hour and a half. Not in a just tell me what to do way. But in an active, embodied way a way that requires intentionality, a way that says you cannot check your brain at the door, Amen. a way 
that requires thought and constant reflection and self-awareness. A way that is tough because we're gonna make mistakes. But in a beloved community, you can do that. You can make mistakes and get messy and say the wrong thing and you will be loved as you are called out in love. Amen. This work calls us to be better and to do better, to do good and to do it well and to do it with the best of intentions in our hearts. So beloveds, don't get lost in the text. Don't get tripped up by what you think you hear or what you think you want to hear. But read it knowing that Jesus is inviting the disciples through those examples, inviting us to really lean into the practice of radical love over law. So are you ready? Are you ready to start that work? Many of us feel like <coughs> we've been doing it all this time. But have we? Have we truly leaned into it? Have we truly embraced it? This practice, it's a practice. And y'all have heard me say it before. <coughs> we only get good at what? The things we practice. Amen. This practice that we are called to as believers of Christ, as followers of the Jesus way, is a practice of love. Or for... <coughs> those of us who are in this season, this newer season of parenting, the practice of meeting the need and not the deed. The practice of loving through the tough stuff. Because we are all deep down inside, ornery little adolescents trying to figure our stuff out. And if we don't have love as the guide, we are never going to get to where we need to be. Amen. So are we ready to really lean into the practice of radical love over law? The practice that we are called to? Are we ready and prepared to take on this huge responsibility of making the changes in our hearts first? In our minds, in our spirits? those changes that are required of us to see this happen first in our own lives and in the communities we move within. Are we ready? Now, I'm guessing that some of us, when I'm asking, are you ready? The answer is, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, maybe? And I love the people who answer me truthfully like that because that's a valid answer. And that's okay, because it is hard work. But lucky for us, we have a 40-day opportunity to try and begin figuring our stuff out. I am talking about Lent. We have a 40-day opportunity for reflection and practice. 
which are going to get us ready for what is to come. And that is resurrection, y'all. New life. New beginning. Eternal life. So let's enter into this together. Let us enter into this walk, this journey, just as the disciples did. Just as they were preparing to do when Jesus sat them down for this come to Jesus moment and had a hard talk with them because that's what we are witness to in in this text today. Let us take the lessons from these weeks that we have spent on the Sermon on the Mount and let us take those lessons which speak to us that allow us to live a Jesus life authentically in a way that makes sense to us because the disciples did the same thing. Each of them had a different way of living the Jesus way, but with that intention of doing good and doing it well for the love of God. And we are also his disciples and students. So let us take those lessons that speak to us throughout time and let us learn together how to embrace truly radical love for ourselves and others. And let us put into real practice all that we have learned for that transformation of our own lives and the world around us. Let us do it together. And let us remember that love over law will always be the priority. May it be so for each and every one of us, and may it start now. Amen.